Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and this week, you know, everything has a Florida connection. And the latest tiff that President Trump has with Morning Joe's Joe Scarborough on Twitter is rooted in North Florida. Believe it or not, Joe Scarborough was a congressman from Florida, and he was a Republican at the time in the late 90s, early 2000s. Somehow he changed his opinion and became a Democrat or leans left, and he's got the show with his now new third wife, Mika Brzezinski, on MSNBC. And President Trump, you know what President Trump did with Barack Obama? He just totally got under his skin when he suggested the whole birther movement that President Obama was not born in Hawaii, that actually he was born in Africa, in Kenya specifically, which led to President Obama having to produce his birth certificate from Hawaii, which took a long time, by the way. That was kind of weird. So the president has a history of these types of things where he stirs it up and points the finger and suggests some malfeasance or wrongdoing on the part of a politician or a famous person. And in this case, the case of an intern slash worker at one of Joe Scarborough's offices in Florida, where she suddenly dropped dead at the age of 28 in 2001. Lori Closetus died while she was working in the Florida office of the MSNBC host, the former Congressman Joe Scarborough. Her death sparked renewed controversy because the president has tweeted a number of accusations against Scarborough, provoking Closetus's husband to demand Twitter remove the tweets, which Twitter has not done. Here's the president when he was asked about his tweets recently. Uh, the second question was about your tweets about the, the woman who died, who you're suggesting that Joe Scarborough was responsible. Yeah, a lot of people suggest that. And uh, hopefully someday people are going to find out. Uh, certainly a very suspicious situation. Very sad. Very sad and very suspicious. Uh, question, please. I asked you not to tweet, tweet ahead, about please, it anymore, go. sir. Mr. President, though, have you seen the letter that was written uh, by her husband begging Twitter to... to delete your tweets, talking about how hard it's been for his family, for him yeah, to I deal have, with but that? but I'm sure that ultimately they want to get to the bottom of it, and it's a very serious situation. I also saw a uh, clip with, uh, with Joe and Imus uh, where they were having a lot of fun at her expense and I thought it was totally inappropriate. Well, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. You know, I asked you why you went in Congress. You said you'd had sex with the intern, and then you had to kill her. And, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just, that's pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? No, it's a very suspicious thing, and uh, I hope somebody gets to the bottom of it. It'll be a very good thing. As you know, there's no statute of limitations. So it would be a very good, uh, very good thing to do. He's suggesting there's no statute of limitations on murder. Uh, so that's apparently what he's alleging. Trump also lashed out at Joe's wife, his third wife, and on-air partner, Mika Brzezinski. Here's what one tweet said shortly after he became president. I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Mika, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. Whoa. Well, President Trump should certainly know his way around a facelift. He's seen a few of them before. <laughs> he knows when one is fresh. You know, just point of reference, if you have a facelift, you shouldn't go out of the house if your sutures and scars are still weeping. Good grief. So obviously there's 
history and bad blood there. Donald Trump usually seems to freak out and start spinning out of control like this, attacking CNN, attacking us, attack. Oh, by the way, good morning, Donald. Attacking everybody in sight right before a shoe's about to drop. By the way, Scarborough's wife, Mika Brzezinski, has responded to the criticisms of Trump, reaching out to Twitter's head and accusing the president of libel. Now, she says, I'll be reaching out to the head of Twitter about the policies being violated every day by President Trump. Hope my call is taken. Please retweet if you agree, she wrote. Libel and slander would require Scarborough to address the facts to prove that there was no foul play. So he would have to actually open this whole thing up and explain how the president's tweets are incorrect and offer a defense. Mika's father, who, by the way, was Zbigniew Brzezinski, you might remember that, Zbigniew Brzezinski, a Polish-American diplomat and political scientist. He served as counselor to President Lyndon B. Johnson from 66 to 1968. He was President Jimmy Carter's national security advisor from 1977 to 1981. So she has quite the political pedigree. But back to libel and slander, they're both types of defamation. And libel is an untrue defamatory statement that's made in writing. So that would be the tweet. Slander is an untrue defamatory statement that is spoken orally. So I could be sued by Joe Scarborough for this podcast for slander. Now, defamatory statements are protected under the First Amendment unless the plaintiff, Joe Scarborough, could prove the statements are false and he would also have to prove the elements of the case in order to collect damages. And joking about it with Imus doesn't help. So he'd have to actually prove that he had nothing to do with this intern's death. She fell in his office, fainted, hit her head on the desk and died. And in the case of a famous person like Joe Scarborough, you have to prove the statements were made with actual malice or total disregard for the truth. We really don't have the complete truth. Is that true? Can you modify truth? complete truth. Perhaps this is why Twitter hasn't taken down the president's tweets. So Joe Scarborough is an American cable news host. His real, his full name is Charles Joseph Scarborough. He goes by his second name, Joe Scarborough. And he is also a musician, former congressman from Florida. He's currently the host of Morning Joe on MSNBC with Mika Brzezinski, his spouse, his third wife. You know, he stays married for about 12 years and then he moves on, changes up. Brzezinski, he married in 2018 after they started working together on Morning Joe. And then Susan Warren was his second wife from 2001 to 2013. And Melanie Hinton was his first wife from 1986 to 1999. And that's the one from whom he had a divorce that prompted him. Well, apparently there was some infidelity there. And he abruptly resigned from Congress. He says that he worked with Lori in his annex office in Okaloosa County, Florida, that he only met her no more than three times. She's worked there from 1999 to 2001. He meets her three times. That seems a little odd. He says he was never alone with her. And he says he did not leave Congress because of her death. He says he announced his retirement from Congress in May of 2001 and that she passed away several months later. So in May 2001, five months into his fourth term in Congress, Scarborough announced his intention to resign to get this, spend more time with his children. As I said, he was recently divorced from his first wife, Melanie Hinton, due to alleged infidelity in 1999 when Lori began working for him. A special election was held in October 2001 to replace Scarborough. 
Now, here are some of the oddities surrounding Lori Klostis's death. The congressman resigns only six months after re-election, just prior to his aide's death. And the reason, amid rumors of marital infidelity, the recently divorced husband wants to spend more time with his sons. It's possible he wanted to spend more time with his sons. I know that Paul Ryan did the same thing and left as Speaker of the House. Ryan's official reason for leaving was that his family clock was ticking. Another weird thing that happened, the medical examiner who had his license revoked in another state contributed thousands of dollars to the congressman's election campaign. Why was his license revoked in the other state? He lost it falsifying autopsies. Mm. Mm. And he apparently contributed money to Scarborough's campaign. And the medical conclusion, it contains several inconsistencies. First, that she was a marathon runner and died of a cardiac arrhythmia. We'll get to that in a moment. It's possible to be a runner and have a heart problem. Second, she suffered a skull fracture and a bruise on the opposite side of her brain, but it could not possibly have been caused by a physical assault. That's what the medical examiner said, who was fired for falsifying autopsies in another state or lost his license. Then there's the question of whether the office was locked and the lights were on. One report says the door was locked and the lights were off. Another report says the door was unlocked and the lights were on. Apparently, some people came to the office. They had an appointment and they found her there dead. Over the weekend, she was lying there for several days. So... The longer decomp is allowed, the harder it is to determine cause of death during an autopsy. And how did the young woman actually die? Her death was ruled an accident. She fell and hit her head on a desk after suffering from cardiac arrhythmia, according to numerous reports. However, the medical examiner involved in the death investigation, as I said, has a very checkered history involving terminations and stored body parts. Dun, dun, dun. What? So there's discussion as to whether she died from the heart condition or the hairline fracture of her skull. What's the likelihood that an apparent healthy woman who runs marathons could faint and hit her head on a desk in such a way that it would kill her? Seems pretty unlikely. Or is it? Enter Jim Fix, one of my idols when I was a young girl running my ass off in Michigan. He's a middle-aged runner. He had embossed on his t-shirt the statement, you haven't really run a good marathon unless you drop dead at the finish line. (laughs) He dropped dead of an excruciatingly painful heart attack. That's Jim Fix. And I remember my high school coach, Hal Commerson, who led us to the first state cross-country championship for women in the state of Michigan, which we won, used to say if you can still walk after you cross the finish line, you didn't run hard enough. Well, Jim Fix died under tragic circumstances. He was trudging along a solitary Vermont back road and just dropped dead at the age of 52. Now, he wrote the book, The Complete Book of Running, and Jim Fix's second book of running encouraged many inactive people to get active again, quit smoking, lose weight. But it's believed that his book and his practices led not only to his death, but to the death of many other over-exuberant exercisers. I have run over 40,000 miles through high school and college, and at times I ran 100 miles a week in preparing for marathons. I haven't dropped dead yet, but I went through a lot of shoes. (laughs) And at one point, my resting heart rate was 48 beats per minute. But after Jim Fix, this exercise guru runner dropped dead, a lot of people were like, see, I told you so. Marathon running is bad for you. So that's the question about this young 28-year-old marathon running girl who dropped dead from a heart condition and hit her head and fainted. It's all very, very odd. 
Joe Scarborough's been hit with theories about Klostis' death for years, stemming from liberal critics and now coming from the Twitter page of the President of the United States, who is followed by millions of people, by the way. Here's what the president wrote, quote, a lot of interest in the story about psycho Joe Scarborough. So a young marathon runner just happened to faint in his office, hit her head on his desk and die, question mark. I would think there's a lot more to this story than that. An affair? What about the so-called investigator? Read story, exclamation point, Trump wrote, sharing a story that made unproven accusations about Klaus' death. The president has tweeted a number of times about the death. When will they open a cold case on the psycho Joe Scarborough matter in Florida? Did he get away with murder, question mark? Some people think so. Why did he leave Congress so quietly and quickly? Isn't it because of it? Well, Here's what you need to know. Klaustis' husband, Timothy, says that she had an undiagnosed heart condition. So medical officials ruled that Lori Klaustis, who had the heart condition, told friends hours before her death that she wasn't feeling well and then fainted, hit her head. Foul play was not suspected. Her obituary says that she went to school in Atlanta, served as the president and treasurer for the Emerald Coast Young Republicans. She later worked as Scarborough's constituent services coordinator from May 1999 to her death in 2001. She was a member of St. Mary's Catholic Church. She sang in the choir and she was a cantor. She graduated cum laude from the University of Georgia School of Journalism and was working on completing her MBA from the University of West Florida. She was also a member of Sigma Kappa Sorority. So Klaustus' body was found July 20th, 2001 at 8 a.m. by a couple who arrived at the office in Fort Walton Beach for an appointment. Undoubtedly, they were Scarborough's constituents. That was her job, to meet with them. Fort Walton Beach is beautiful, by the way. It's a white sandy beach right there on the panhandle of Florida. Gorgeous in North Florida. She was found slumped over next to a desk on the floor of Scarborough's office. A second employee who was normally at the office was away on vacation, or she would have been found sooner. And it was determined that she was dead for some time. After an investigation, police say there was no reason to suspect foul play in her death, and a preliminary investigation revealed that there was no outward indication of suicide, and apparently Joe Scarborough was nowhere near his office at the time of her death. Police said that there were no witnesses to her death. One of the headlines in the Tampa Bay Times read, 28-year-old office worker for U.S. Representative Joe Scarborough was found dead early Friday in the congressman's district office. It's not a very good headline. I mean doesn't make him look very good. According to the article available through newspapers.com, the Fort Walton Beach police said immediately that there were no signs of foul play. Way to go with that investigation. They said that Klaustus, who had worked for Scarborough since 1999, was found lying on the floor behind a desk by the couple showing up for an appointment. She worked in a two-person office and she was the only one working. Someone talked to her late Thursday and police say that she probably died before 5 p.m. Scarborough had said the month before the death that he was going to resign to spend time with his sons. He was in Washington on Friday morning tending to house business when Klaustus' death was reported. Now, according to the doctor who performed the autopsy on Klaustus, she suffered a hairline fracture that was consistent with an accidental fall, not homicide. Dr. Michael Berklin was an associate district medical examiner. He said she hit her head on a desk when she fell after suffering an abnormal heart rhythm. He said, we know for fact she wasn't whacked in the head because of the nature of the injury. He said the abnormal rhythm of her heart stopped her breathing, which might have killed her, but the head injury contributed because blood pooled at one point where the fracture occurred. 
and she had reported not feeling well to another aide, who was supposedly on vacation, so that's weird. The article also says that the owner of a security company admitted that he may have failed to check that night whether the doors were locked. Oops. A restaurant employee saw lights on in the building and Claustus's car parked outside three hours before her death was discovered. So the Emmy wrote in his findings after autopsy that Claustus died as a result of an acute subdural hematoma, which occurred as a result of a closed head trauma sustained in a simple fall. He also noted that she had made no attempt to break her fall, according to an examination of her hands, and that she suffered from a floppy mitral valve in her heart. However, though, this doctor, Birkeland, had a checkered past. He was charged with stealing body parts. More than 100 body parts were found in August in a storage unit he rented. Whoa. Was he selling them? The Washington Post reported that Birkeland was fired in Kansas in a dispute over his caseload and autopsy reports, including unproven allegations that he had fabricated some details. He lost his Florida job in 2003 for being slow to complete autopsy reports. And before he got to Florida, Birkeland was fired as a contract medical examiner in 1996 in Jackson County, Missouri. In a dispute over his caseload and autopsy reports, his doctor's license was ultimately revoked there. And get this, he initially told the media that there were no signs of trauma on her body. And then he said that she was found with a scratch and a bruise on her head. He told media members that his denials initially of the cause of death were so speculation wouldn't be raised. Don't, don't speculate. It's the last thing we want to do is have 40 questions about a head injury, he said. I mean, don't you dare ask questions about a congressperson having an affair with an intern. Remember Gary Condit, the former politician and Democrat who represented parts of California's Central Valley in the House of Representatives from 1989 to 2003? Oh, same window of opportunity. He gained significant national attention for an extramarital affair he had with an intern, Chandra Levy which was exposed after Levy's disappearance in May 2001, same year that this happened with Scarborough. Now, although Condit was never considered an official suspect, he might as well have been. He was put through the ringer in Levy's disappearance. He lost in 2002 in the Democrat primary based in large part on the negative publicity from the scandal. While Condit was not named as an official suspect in her disappearance, Levy's family suspected that Condit was withholding important information about her disappearance. It was a big, big story, actually much bigger than the Joe Scarborough story because you had the medical examiner not telling us that the the woman had a head injury because he didn't want 40 questions. It's amazing. Levy's remains were not found during the extensive search that followed her disappearance, but were discovered accidentally on May 22, 2002, in a secluded area of Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C. Her death was declared a homicide, and Condit then sued Dominic Dunn in 2002 for $11 million, claiming that he was defamed by him. Dunn repeated on national radio and on television on programs such as Larry King that Condit frequented Middle Eastern embassies for sexual activity with prostitutes. And during those times, he made it clear that he wanted someone to get rid of Levy. Condit's attorney said that Dunn's comments conveyed that Gary Condit was involved in her kidnapping and her murder. 
and that friends of Gary Condit had her kidnapped, put in an airplane, and dropped in the Atlantic Ocean. Dunn paid an undisclosed amount to settle the lawsuit in March of 2005. So police continued the murder investigation, and then they arrested this undocumented immigrant from El Salvador, Ingmar Guandique. He had already been convicted in prison for two other attacks on women in Rock Creek Park, but he was indicted and he was convicted of first-degree murder of Chandra Levy, sentenced in 2011 to 60 years in prison. Condit's lawyer said, hey, that's a complete vindication. But in June of 2015, the Superior Court granted a motion for a retrial after it was revealed that the sole witness against him, a jailhouse informant named Armando Morales, had lied about prior jailhouse testimony and prosecutors dropped all charges against Guandique. So ultimately, the Chandra Levy murder remains unsolved. So maybe Condit did have something to do with it. We don't know. We don't know who done it. Apparently, when a congressman or a president has an affair with an intern who turns up missing or dead, we're not supposed to investigate. We're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to say that there was head trauma. Just saying. Well, that wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks so much for joining me. Until next time. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.